this morning as I came in early, uh, I get here fairly early on Sunday mornings, obviously, and we're getting everything ready for church. And, and I was walking down this uh, hallway coming from the uh, side parking lot, and I could hear our, uh, our worship team practicing and dialing everything in, and it was just, the, the sound was just spilling out across the courtyard and down the hallway. And then to hear the choir preparing, and it so warmed my heart because I'm like, man, I, I'm here early to get ready for Sunday, and these guys were all here uh, before me, getting everything ready so we could be so blessed by some really wonderful music. And there'll be more tonight at 5.30. Carols upon carols upon carols, candlelight, reading of the Christmas story. Tonight at 5.30, tomorrow night at 4 and 5.30 again. Just a whole slate of services that you can enjoy and take in with your family and friends. And we hope you will be blessed by all that is prepared. And I know that my heart was sure blessed by that wonderful choir and with Akiki uh, Okamoto on the violin. What a treasure. And we don't take that for granted. We're so blessed by them and so grateful for all the hard work that they've put in to honor the Lord and to bless us this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is what put our our dear brother Justin on uh, tilt when uh, I sent him the uh, scripture for the uh, slides. And Justin always puts the slides together for us and does a great job with that. And and uh, we're always talking and communicating. And I said, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. And he sends back, huh? You know, I was expecting Luke 2, Pastor Mike, or, or, or something over in, in that neck of the woods here as we're close and this close to Christmas. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. Wait till you see the treasure that is ours right at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It is a joy, and I hope it'll be a real blessing to you. Hey, good morning and Merry Christmas to you and your family. How's everybody doing today? You're looking great. Uh, A wonderful first service, a great second service, and what a joy to be in God's house at this time of the year, and of course, all during the year, to celebrate and worship Him, uh, our Lord and Savior. Uh, is everybody uh, is everybody got all of their stuff together? Is uh, is everybody here fully ready for Christmas? If you're say Pastor Mike, I am ready. There is nothing. There's no I's left to dot, no T's left to cross. I'm ready. Let me see your hand. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, well, you'll be warm to know that we finished right on time in the first service. We're going to finish right on time in this one, and you'll have some time this afternoon and tomorrow to continue finishing all of those. Uh, preparations. What a great time of the year. What a busy time of the year. And what a time of the year that we don't want to miss getting our focus on that message that matters the most. Yesterday, my wife asked me to go over to Winco with the smallest of lists. And it was kind of a busy day yesterday at the house. And I said, you know what, hon? I'm going to go, I'm going to leave between 10 and 11. And I got busy and got distracted with other things. And and now it's, it's noon and and, and Jamie says to me, "Hun, you better get over to Winco and get that list done. I said, babe, I promise you, I am not going to forget this. I'll definitely get over there and, and, and get that list and we'll, we'll get what we need. And uh, it got along maybe about one o'clock. And she says, babe, you, you ought to really consider going. I'm afraid it's going to be really crowded. I'm like, oh, it's all right. I've got this. I walk into Winco at two. Holy cow. You could not move in that place. I saw Mary at a distance. I tried to double back to talk with her. 
great gulf fixed. No way I could reach her for the sea of humanity that was in between us. The place was packed. And I had the smallest of lists. It took me an hour to figure it out. I had to call my wife three times for clarification, only to find out I was in the wrong aisle. She got me over to the right aisle. I got spit out of that place an hour later, and all of my Christmas peace was gone. And I was stressed. And I'm thinking, why didn't I listen to her? Why didn't I go at 10? Uh, And it would have maybe been a little bit better. So it is a busy, exciting time of the year. But this is the joy of a service like this. Because in all of that busyness and all of that wonder and all of that excitement and anticipation to come into a service like this and to recenter ourselves and to find the peace and the joy of a service like this, the encouragement, the reminders of what this season is all about is so incredibly good for our souls. And I pray that it will just set the table for everything you're gonna enjoy with your family and friends in the hours and the days ahead. Second Corinthians chapter nine, our little Christmas treasure is right at the end of this chapter in verse 15, but I want to go ahead and read the entire chapter for you. Uh, it will not be, the entire chapter won't be on the screen behind me. We'll, we'll get the words on the screen when we get to verse 15. In fact, I want you just to sort of take a deep breath this morning and just relax and rest a little bit and listen to these words and listen how encouraging they are and how absolutely on they are for this time of the year in this wonderful book of 2 Corinthians. I've always thought of 2 Corinthians as sort of the, sort of the, uh, the um, oh, I guess the, the younger brother to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we spend so much time in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, so many messages, so much reading there, teaching there over the years, and it doesn't seem we make it to 2 Corinthians as often. It's like, uh, it's like that guy next door that's not just visited quite as frequently, yet what an amazing book it is. And in this ninth chapter, such encouraging themes. Uh, verse one of chapter nine says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches, watch this, in Macedonia, that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving themselves. So there's a lot that's happening there. The Greeks want to give a gift, a, a really a, a financial gift, to the church at Jerusalem. Paul's encouraged by that. He is saying that the Macedonians are encouraged by that. In fact, you Greeks have been so giving in your nature, and we're going to see just down the line here, they were giving with the right motive, which is so important, that you've not only been a blessing to those in Jerusalem with your gift, but Paul says you've been a blessing to me, and you've also stirred up the Macedonians because they want to get in on the blessing. And it's just the power and the joy of giving. It's why the Lord Jesus says himself, behold, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we're going to see that and get a chance to experience that a lot in the hours and the days ahead. Verse three, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure, I love this, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready as I've been telling them and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed not to mention your own embarrassment if you Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all uh, that I had told them. 
So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in, spa, or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share it with others. As the scriptures say, they shall freely and generously give to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then you will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Look at the power of giving. Look at the opportunity that is ours in the hours and days ahead to give good gifts, to give generous gifts out of a heart of gratitude to God for all that he has given to us. Think of your, your gifts this Christmas season, those gifts that you exchange, those gifts that you share as simple reflections of the greatest gift who was ever given and his name is Jesus. Verse 13, one more time. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Now here comes verse 15. It's a short verse. It's a simple verse. But man, is it a power-packed verse right at the end of this passage. Thank God for this gift to wonderful four words. Some translations say, and thanks be to God for this great gift to wonderful four words. Now, those of you who have been with us for a while understand that we study the Bible historically, grammatically, contextually, and literally. And context, one of those that we just mentioned, is super important when you're studying the Bible. In fact, we've said for years, what? The Bible is its own best commentary. And when you look at the context of the scripture, it tells so much. It's the keys of the doors of understanding to these wonderful passages and chapters and texts. And it would be very easy to simply assume. In fact, I had one dear friend tell me after the first service, Pastor Mike, I assumed for years that this gift that's being referred to here are these gifts that we just read about in chapter 9. That it's that gift that came from the church uh, in Greece to the church at Jerusalem and, and that wonderful generosity and how the Macedonians were inspired. And, and man, that's what Paul's talking about, right? This wonderful gift that was given. And here's what we know. That's not what he's talking about at all. In fact, Paul takes a turn in the last verse of this chapter. Paul steps into a really unique nuance here and he leaves just the culture and the context of this gift from the Greeks to the church in Jerusalem. 
And he goes to a much larger and much more important and much more significant context. I studied it this week. I looked it up in every single commentary that I have on the book of 2 Corinthians, some very old ones. I was walking back with Charles Hodge and some of the older theologians right up to the most modern day expressions on the book of 2 Corinthians. And all of them were in complete agreement that the language of this verse pulls our hearts back to the greatest gift that was ever given. His name is Jesus. There in that manger, the gift from the Father to us, the greatest Christmas gift ever delivered. That's the gift that Paul is talking about. It's this manger. It's what God did for us when he gave And I think what Paul is sort of drawing the believers here of of Jerusalem and and in Greece and Macedonia to is that, that all of our gifts that we give to each other must simply be a reflection of the greatest gift that was given to the world and his name is Jesus. Church, you finish the, the word for me when I stop. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. This is what Paul is talking about here. He gave a gift, and I love the name that Paul gives to the Lord Jesus here. He gave a gift that is too wonderful for words. There are very few things in life that are too wonderful for words. You'll come up against against and and experience a few of them in your life. I, I pray and hope you do. Moments, individuals, Gifts that are absolutely, here it is. Let's, let's sort of turn the words a little bit. Where there are not words to express how absolutely amazing they are. And this is exactly what Paul is bringing us to here. I want us to see three things from this one verse. We'll spend our entire time here. We'll reference some other things quickly. But here is our heart today. He says, thanks be to God. Thank you, God. Thank God for this gift. I want you to see, first of all, the call to gratitude. He calls us to gratitude at this season. That during this Christmas season, we would not only, and and by the way, I hope you do, express gratitude for those who give you a gift. That you would say thank you for giving and receiving gifts. I think it's important for parents and grandparents, by the way, to teach their children to say thank you when someone gives them a gift. Man, as I motor around through society uh, day in and day out, sometimes people are, are, are giving things to me. They're holding the door for me. And, and I try to always remember to say thank you. Thank you for doing that, to express my gratitude. One has said when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. Gratitude is an important thing. And in many ways, it's been lost in our modern day society and culture. And the Bible is constantly calling us back to be people of deep and great gratitude. Ultimately to God for all that he has done for us, but for all of us to each other when we are blessed and enriched by treasures that we receive from each other, whether that's a prayer, a smile, a friendship, a handshake, a door hold, or maybe a physical gift that we receive, that thank you back is so, so important. We see it throughout this entire chapter. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give 
Glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. They will be stirred. They will be blessed. They will be stirred to gratitude to God as you are blessing others with this gift. And then Paul says what? Our ultimate gratitude must flow to the heart of God for loving us so much that he gave us this incredibly wonderful gift. There's a call to gratitude here. Secondly, notice that we're invited to celebrate the gift. For we are grateful for the gift. We're grateful for the fact that God so loved the world that he gave. We're overwhelmed by the fact that that he who knew no sin became sin for us and, and finished not only his work at the cradle, but he wore the crown and he went to the cross and he came out of that grave victorious so that we have the opportunity through the message and the life and the ministry of Jesus to be reconciled back to a holy God. This is the gift of Bethlehem. It's the gift of restoration that our life can be made right with God through what Christ has done for us. In fact, you know what Paul says here contextually? It's because of this gift that we give our gifts. It's for this gift that we are ultimately and fundamentally and primarily thankful to God for all that he has done for us. Think about that gift that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into this absolute messy world right into the middle of our mess that when we put our hearts and lives focused on him and we believe and we receive him into our life and he changes us from the inside out, that he can literally take these messes and turn them into messages of love and grace and truth as he changes us from the inside out. Look at what this gift, the power of this gift, a gift that was fueled by love for God so loved that he gave. That's why we should give gifts at Christmas. We should give to get, right? It's like the, Christmas is like the ultimate quid pro quo, right? I'll give a gift to you, you give a gift to me. We all make sure the gifts are given equally and everybody leaves happy with a piece of pumpkin pie. Yes, Merry Christmas. That's really not the heart of it, is it? It's not like this sort of, you know, uh, technical, uh, just nitty-gritty, utilitarian, uh, equal exchange. That's not the heart behind it. It's that out of a heart of love, we would try to bless someone with something that they would be blessed by just to bring joy to them by giving them that gift. And in giving the gift and in really nailing it, and sometimes it's the smallest of things. Sometimes maybe it's something that didn't really cost you a penny. But the heart and the thought that went into that was such a blessing to that individual that for you seeing them receive it, you know what this means. The joy is greater for you than it even was for them. This comes all from the heart of our God because he so loved us that he gave us this incredibly wonderful, glorious gift 
And you know what he invites us to do? He invites us to simply to receive it and to thank him for it this season. This gift that can turn messes into messages. This gift that was fueled by love. This gift that brings grace and hope and healing to the heart. This gift that that can bring redemption full and free into the most dark and broken of places. This gift that is absolutely all-powerful and has the ability to move into every single arena and situation and change things for incredible good. This is the gift that we celebrate at Christmas. We're called to thankfulness. You know what, church? Right into our very own homes these next few hours and days, that's that's a good thing. May our homes be filled with thankfulness. May they be filled with gratitude. May we teach our children and remind each other the importance of expressing that gratitude and and the ultimate expression to God. And may every gift that we exchange, and I wonder, how many of you are planning at some point in the next week to exchange a gift? Let me see your hand. Yeah. How many of you are hoping at some point in the next week to receive a gift? Let me see your hand. Good. A few of you are very honest. A few of you trying to act extra spiritual. Oh, no, I just, I just. (laughs) Really, Pastor, my intention is only to give. I'm really not hoping to get anything. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm hoping to get some. I've been looking around our tree, and I'm seeing a lot of kids' names, and I'm looking for some adult names under that tree, right? But they hide them back on me because they know I'm a box shaker, I'm a, I want to I look at the size and shape. I mean, I have my list submitted in August. I've given them plenty of time and I've been waiting and I want to check these box sizes and I'm trying to match up. To, I'm kidding, sort of. But it's fun to walk around that tree and look at those gifts. It's fun to give gifts and to receive gifts. You know what? Everyone we give and receive, may they be a reflection of the greatest gift that God so loved us fueled by love, delivered on the wings of grace to bring hope, help, and healing. Jesus comes into this messy world to turn this mess into a message of his love, grace, and joy. And our gifts are just a reflection of that. And we are grateful for what he has done. And we are grateful for each other to be able to celebrate him at this season. And then finally, not only a call to gratitude, Not only the celebration of a gift, but look at the absolute grandeur of the name that Paul gives him. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Savior? Who is this Emmanuel, God with us? Who is this hope bringer, this healer of broken hearts and places and situations? Who who is this Jesus? And Paul says, let me tell you who he is. He is too wonderful for words. There are no words in the human language that our humble tongues can tell to fully paint the picture of how awesome and how wonderful, how glorious and great he truly is. Only a very few moments in life that were literally speechless. Can you remember those moments in your life that you were literally speechless? 
Just a few, really, aren't there? I think I can remember the first one. Doesn't even hold a candle to this. I think it was nine or ten, and I went with my parents, the three-hour trip to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I walked in Riverfront Stadium for the first time, and for a young kid that had never seen any kind of an arena or place that large, to walk into my first ever major league ballpark, Riverfront Stadium, and I walked across that concourse, and I stood at the railing, and I looked at that stadium and that field, and I was speechless. Whoa! I've never seen anything this big. The first time I walked up, I could feel the excitement in my heart. I could feel the, I could feel the, the anticipation in my heart as I walked toward the edge of the Grand Canyon. And the first time I stood there and I looked at the Grand Canyon, I was speechless. Oh my word. Look at this. Look at this masterpiece painted by the good hands of our great God. And there weren't words to describe how beautiful it is. All of those things, all of these moments, think about this, all of them creations of this one who is too wonderful for words. This Christmas, as you sit around the tree, maybe in those quieter moments, reflect on the one who is too wonderful for words. When we exchange the gifts, reflections of the greatest gift was the same for the Greeks, Macedonians, and those in Jerusalem as well. Remember, he is too wonderful for words. When you think about what he's done in your heart and in your life and in your family and your home, all that work fully realized yet? Heavens no, we're all still under construction. We're all still unwrapping the realities of all that he is and all that he can do. And yet with what we know today, too wonderful for words. What are, going to, what are we going to think when we make it to our final home? When we reach that ultimate realization of our faith and we step into the glory and the joy of heaven for all eternity. And what a picture the Bible paints of that. And, and it's just the hem of the garment. And we know it's too wonderful for words. This is who he is. This is the Christ of Christmas. This is the one who came to the cradle, wore the crown, endured the cross, so that we could be the recipients we could unwrap for ourselves the greatest gift ever given. And his name is Jesus. And at the end of a chapter on giving and receiving among churches that were trying to bless each other comes what I call a Christmas treasure where Paul says, and thank God for this gift to wonderful words. And that is what we gather on the Sunday before Christmas to celebrate. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that this passage means to us. These few short words sort of almost snuck in to this chapter.
Interesting. Much like Jesus, you came to us quietly, snuck right in to a manger in Bethlehem. But you, with the power to change everything. Those words we just read, with the power to change everything. How we thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave. How we thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that we could be fully restored through our belief in you to a right relationship with our God. And that you, Jesus, the greatest gift residing within us, too wonderful for words, brings the real meaning and the real significance to every other gift that we exchange. And the real meaning and the real significance to every moment in our life as we live it and we walk with you. We thank you and we love you. And may all of these services that we enjoy over these next hours, may they honor and glorify you. And may people be drawn to the Christ of Christmas. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And we say amen for all you've done in our life.